0: Hi there, this is Stuart McKee, host of Musicians FAQ Podcast. Please join me weekly where we have music and chat with some of Canada's hottest artists That was Cheryl Lescom with Nobody's Victim. Cheryl just happens to be my very special guest this week. My name is Stuart McKee, and this is Musicians FAQ. I'm so excited for our guest this week. I first saw her sing back in the early 80s, where she was blowing the roof off the bars in Grand Bend. She's been a fixture on the Canadian music scene for over 45 years. She sang back up for Ronnie Hawkins, toured with Long John Baldry, Jeff Healy, Matt Minglewood, Dutch Mason, the Downchild Blues Band, Jack DeKaiser, Dale Shannon, David Wilcox, Mel Brown, Paul James, Billy Durst, and the Detroit Women. Long John Baldry said she had the biggest and best voice in Canada. She was the 2006 winner of the Mel Brown Award. Her latest album with the Tucson Choir Boys is called "Well Played," released October 2020. My guest this week, Cheryl Lescom. Welcome to the show, Cheryl.
1: Thank you so much. How are you, Stuart?
0: I'm doing well. It's so great to have you here. Been looking forward to chatting with you. I know we've all been locked down for quite a while, so it's nice to actually see your smiling face again. And uh, let's just pick up where we uh, where we left off. We were just chatting before the show about uh, some of your uh, some sort of the roots and where it all started for you. So, when did you actually start?
1: Um, I started in 1975, like I was singing and doing all sorts of, um, you know, talent contests and stuff. Cause you used to be able to go to a bar and get up with bands and stuff. And So that started, you know, the early seventies, like 72, 73, but I was, um, I was working in cosmetics and, you know, I, I had, it, it was good. Life was okay, but I, there was something really missing. And I, I, you know, always, always sung. I always kind of, uh, you know, you couldn't shut me up sort of thing. then when i started working at the coronet um in 73 or 74 anyway um, i got super introduced to music and um i got super introduced to musicians and that's when i decided that uh i I met nancy wilson a heart played at the coronet and uh after after her gig we got together and I said, you know, i just, I just really want to sing. I want to do what you're doing. And she said, well, then do it, you know, put down your trade, take some singing lessons, stop smoking cigarettes and get off your ass and do it. Nice. So, okay. Well, that sounds like a really good plan. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I did, I got, uh, I got all oh, the story. I, I'm not going to tell you that story, but anyway, I got enough money to get my first practice hall together. And, um, and uh, yeah, so I, t- I took some opera lessons from from uh, Ed Johnson and uh, got myself a band and got myself together. So that was, I started singing backups for Mike Lehman and he was with a band called Yukon uh, for, for years and yeah. he had a, Mike Lehman in the full flight. So that was like around early 75. And so I was singing full time by myself in my own band by the end of, uh, by the beginning of 1976.
0: Good. Right back to the beginning. Where were you born? Kitchener.
1: Right. Kitchener wanted a hospital, KW Hospital. My
0: mom was a nurse there and
1: uh yep. Yeah. I my kids were born there. I was born there. My mother was uh graduated from nursing there and worked there. I'm I'm a kitchener girl through and through, that's for sure. Born and, all right. born and raised. I've lived all over, I've lived all over Canada, but uh I'm back here and this is probably where I'll stay for a while, that's for sure.
0: Nice. so what was child what was childhood like for you in kitchener uh, not very good.
1: No, no. I have to say I was loved by my mother, but my father left when I was a kid and I was an only child. And back in the fifties, that was, uh, having a single mother and an only child was kind of a combination you didn't see very often. And, uh, you know, she worked all the time. She was a nurse, so I got shuffled around a lot. And, um, yeah, I, I can honestly, I, I did not like being a child. I hated school. Um, I just, I, I did it all. I'm loving my life right now, but I really didn't like being a child at all.
0: Wow, that's crazy. What school did you actually go to?
1: Um, well, we moved a lot. So, I mean, um, you know, McGregor School, Northdale School, uh, Sunnyside School. Um, uh, God, there's a couple in there. I can't even remember. Um, But, uh, yeah, I, I quit school as soon as I could. I quit school and I turned uh, – I quit school before I turned 16. I turned sixteen the summer of sixty-nine. I didn't go back to school in September, well, so great. I had zero education. <laughs> that's, but all my education took place with people, and for people, and by people.
0: And that's when it all started. Well, and that's a great year, nineteen sixty-nine, to sort of quit school and and start discovering yourself and discovering the world and getting into music.
1: Well, you, it was it was just such a a pivotal time for music and and the scene was really happening and I mean young people were a big part I you you could you know we had some you felt a little power there because there were so many of us and and uh yeah I mean I I wouldn't trade that for the world I look at my kids situation now with this you know the internet and all this fake news and all the so thankful
0: I was raised when I was uh, that's fantastic that uh, must have been some seriously exciting times so what kind of festivals were going on then what kind of concerts I mean obviously uh, it's the summer of Woodstock and it was fast.
1: yeah I was on my way to Woodstock but I met a guy so I never made it but um yeah uh, I mean the what the Toronto Pop Festival in 1969 was the first one that I really went to which was I think June 20th 21st 22nd of uh of 1969. And so that was three days of ridiculously good music. I mean, it was just awesome. Yeah. And then, uh, that summer of 69, I saw like a ton of bands because we would go to the rock pile in Toronto all the time and go to Roschdale and do all those nasty things that we were supposed to be doing at those ages. And, um, yeah, like then then there was the September Pop Festival in, in Rosh City Stadium, Toronto again and that was a, a huge, a huge festival. We went to Montreal. We I mean music was everything. We hitchhiked all over the place just to see music. So I I would have uh I would have made it to I'm kinda glad that I didn't though, because I think it would have been a little bit of a shit show. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I'm jealous. So I mean the, the, those are the times. I mean, Festival Express and the Toronto Pop Festival and, oh, Rock it, Rock and all those I shows. thought
1: Joplin. I legendary. mean it, you know, just every every uh, everything I saw. You know, John Lennon and Yoko Ono when they recorded "Give Peace a Chance" was at the was in September in 1969 at the at the Toronto Festival. I mean, the the shows I, I saw Zeppelin in 1969 in in January of 1969 before they started their tour their Amer- their North America tour. And it was in D- in Detroit at the Grandy Ballroom and MC5 opened up and. And I was like this young little girl and I just couldn't believe what I was seeing, because that man, I mean, he moved me in a big way. <laughs> yeah. And uh he he just, you know, Robert Plant, just vocally, physically, sexually, everything. He was like everything, and I was just mesmerized. And we we went down to the brandy ballroom all the time in Detroit to see to see bands. So you know, it just just the, the music was incredible just at that time in my life. And it wasn't just because I was I was so young and everything was so new and you know your, your experience is always so, so beautiful when you're so young and everything the world opens up to you. But it wasn't just that it was now, especially at my age, I get to look back and I, I know that that was a really, really special time in music and for
0: young people absolutely no, that's incredible i mean i i went to woodstock 25 years after the fact i went to woodstock 94 and it was a shit show it was a mess but uh uh but certain and certainly not like the original i mean we went to the original site at bethel and and all those kind of things and there's some tributes going on but i mean it's just not yeah the same. you can't you
1: can't repeat stuff like that no, you can't you're...
0: repeat magic.
1: you know you just can't
0: repeat magic sometimes things just happen and it's the moment and
1: it's just the way it's supposed to be and
2: Feed him and you love him You guide him down the road Pray that he's listening To all that he's been told So love me Let me make it all right Keep me Give me some of your time I want you to shine 修修
0: Sure hear the Janis Joplin influence in that that was Shine by Cheryl Lescom so do you think um you know bypassing the, the ugly childhood but do you think a lot of that had something to do with your career in music and 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 sort of inspired who you became um once you got out of the house and once you got out, got free and away from all that
1: well my father um he was a he was a a musician and he could play every instrument by by ear and he sang like Nat King Cole, but he left when I was a little kid and then he came back when I was I know, seven for a minute and then he left and then he came back when I was 15 for a minute and then he left and, and but uh, he, whenever he came back um, through his drunken barbaricness, um, I could see that like he, like when he was sober and he got on that piano and played, you just were moved to tears. So, I mean, that was, and my mother's a Bingaman, uh, you know, Sean's, her mother was a Bingaman. So there's, Binghamans have a, a fair amount of talent in that side of their family too. So I think that, you know, I think there was something in me that definitely was a natural, because I do think that God gives you certain sort of natural things and you can do whatever you want. But I, I have a very rough voice and have ever since I was a kid, my, my friends used to call me the boy talking girl. So that kind of. <laughs> Put me into a different category as far as knowing what I was going to sing. So right. when I heard singers like Dusty Springfield and people like that who had that big ballsy sort of voice, it was uh it was great to be able to because I I knew I was no Diana Ross like that wasn't going to happen. So you know things opened up when I started to hear people like Janice and Dusty and you know, at a, you know even Aretha I mean I know Aretha Franklin, but she's got she's got that power. You know I I've, I've got power. I don't have a range, but you know, and I think also because of my my upbringing, um, I can do pain. I I can do pain really well. And um, and when I sing a, a song that means something to me, uh, uh, that pain comes back. And I it just uh, it's like therapy. I, I really do believe it. And music saved my life. There's no no doubt, no doubt
0: about it. I feel the same way. I mean, and it's incredible. You do hear that um, in your voice that power and that emotion. Um, and I think that was, you know, that voice is certainly the, the perfect delivery system for everything that you'd experienced uh, when you were younger. And that's, you know, yeah. thank, God, thank God that you have that voice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thank you for that. Thank you. Thanks for saying that, Stuart, because some people, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I don't pretend to be, but um, yeah, I I'm, I still feel really, very grateful to be, you know, be able to have done what I've been doing for so long. And even with the little bit of hiatus that we've gone through now, it's still... There's still some stum- some juice left in me there, Stuart
0: yeah, I believe it well, I, I witnessed that firsthand last year when <laughs> when we did a session together and uh, and thank you by the way um, oh, thank you. for for a couple of songs that you sang on my album, which were, were just fantastic and just the highlight uh, of the album for me i mean i have been I'd been going out to see you yeah. since uh well i mean i I'm not sure when you started playing the uh, down in Grand ben in the summers, but i I'd caught you there um and I would imagine it would have been early eighties um yeah. And we used to go out there pretty regularly and catch you there. And then of course all the clubs here are around town and and uh anytime we get to get a chance to see it's you. A good time. Yeah, so yeah, that that you time, know, time goes by. Super,
1: super hopping. I mean, we used to play grand bend. Um I started playing grand bend, she's like 77, 77. And it was uh Kelly's boogie parlor back back then, and it was just Fragging rocking it was it was just the best time and i uh, i was playing with a band called right tail back then and um they were a kitchener band and actually al hozak who's the bass who's the bass player in that band is now with a band called fog and uh steve emsley was a guitar player and bill cooper was a drummer and we had played this uh, kelly's boogie parlor and Bill was screwing around and fell off a balcony and freaking broke his back so we had to cancel we had to cancel. It. it's just uh oh, the stories the story steward when i start thinking about them because you know people say well what about this i can't remember anything but then when you start spinning the memory box that that's uh, that's when things start yeah, to
0: back. come well <laughs> that reminded me you triggered a, a memory of mine when we we'd always stay at the colonial hotel at the top of the strip there yeah. and uh, we had a similar experience where a bunch of us were sharing one room and trying to sneak into the room one night and the owner came out, suddenly popped up in the window and one of my buddies went flying backwards and landed back first on the air conditioning unit on the ground. Didn't do any serious damage, didn't break his back. We thought at the time maybe he had, but we had literally had to sort of sling him over our shoulders and run. <laughs> it was just craziness back then. But yeah, I mean, things, things. I wonder
1: how did we make it alive, Stuart?
0: I know. Well, I mean, unfortunately, a few of our friends that uh, I, I know a few of my yeah. friends that didn't, and I'm sure you know the same thing. We all I, did, but, uh, For yeah, sure. We're but, lucky ones. but very lucky and, and, scares the crap out of me that, uh, you know, I have a, a, a son that's going to be a teenager soon and uh, soon be out in the world, experiencing a, a lot of the same things that we did, but, uh, hopefully he has more sense than I did, but
1: is he, does he have a passion?
0: He does. I mean, he, he does have the music thing, but he's, you know, like a lot of kids today, he's more into the the video games and uh, although he's the one that got me on TikTok and, you know, he's the one that's been doing my TikTok videos for me too. So he's he's got some pretty good insights and pretty good awareness on, on how that whole social media thing works. Um, so
1: maybe, maybe something like videography or something like that. I mean, I think, I think as, a, as parents, it's our duty to find our child, child's passion, whatever it is, you know, whether it's woodworking or working on an automobile or music or painting or journalism or anything. And, and, you know, as long as we do that, as long as we do that, and just, um, you know, I think that they're, they're going to be okay. It's just, uh, I mean, I kept my boys both so exhausted with sports, they couldn't do anything else and 19 man they are busy in the brain and every other part of their body so they have to be exhausted so i mean you know anyway just throwing it out
0: there <laughs> yeah. all right so back to you and back to the music and uh, boy we've been all over the place i'm not sure where we left off but i mean so when i mean you talked about a little bit earlier uh, of meeting nancy wilson uh, and when Hart played at the cornet and her telling you to you know get serious and put down the tray and, and get at it but prior to that i mean had you been singing your whole life had you been into music as a child
1: yeah, absolutely. Well, my mom like, you know, she the, the radio was on constantly and uh so music was um something that I and I and I would retreat to my room and just put on the radio and, and rock back and forth for hours with music. So music was my, you know, something that I I did by myself and I really enjoyed it right from the time I was a kid, a baby. My mom said I was rocking in my crib to music when I was a baby. So, um, you know, I and and through school, through school I was always in the choirs and through you know church I was always in the church choirs and you know that that was um that was you know what you kind of did back then as far as music there wasn't an awful lot especially for young people there wasn't any you know I mean, I took piano lessons and stuff but that but then you know then this the, the mid-60s happened and the, the the girl groups and you know, a lot of stuff uh, like you know by '63 things were starting to really open up, and I was 10 at that time. So that's uh, that's really a, a pivotal time for for music, especially you know because there was nothing on TV. There were, we didn't even have TV, so you know you had to kind of uh, really rely on music to give you to you know everything between books and music. And I was not a book reader, so I, yeah. I, I music was yeah I the always it was it. Always, the radio was it and then you know radio was the only thing back then I mean we didn't have a hi-fi and we could never afford records or anything like that so it yeah it was uh, a big part of my life that you can I can ping, pinpoint summers like you know oh that song came out in like the summer of 57 and I mean I was only a little kid but I can still remember certain songs from certain times more than I can probably remember
0: my friends from certain times yeah, i'm exactly the same way certain songs that bring me right back to a year a summer, yeah. you know to a place in time or somebody i was hanging out with absolutely now what was yeah. the first was there a first song that really grabbed you
1: well i think the you know um like the beatles you know of course like that that ed sullivan show was a, a you know a mind blower. but before that i mean the girl group started coming up so I my, my cousin was a couple of years older than me and she had a record player and she had records. So I would go over to her house and she would play Me All, The Girl The Run, That's the Supremes, all the a lot of the stuff from the early sixties. So I think that um I I think that, you know, the first song that really struck me was um, you know, like the Do Run Run song, or you know, um one of the girl group songs and then he kissed me, or you know, one of those songs that's with all those thick harmonies and those beautiful vocals that's uh I yeah that was uh, I could listen to that stuff and still to this day I never get sick of that stuff ever. yeah
0: me too it's it's great it's absolutely timeless um so do you have a favorite singer or um I have really I, well, well, but like probably
1: the, yeah for me it was uh, you know Dusty Springfield and Etta James and Aretha Franklin and Janis Joplin um uh you know, the, I liked the ballsier. I wasn't. I wasn't into Olivia Newton John, and you know, right. but I really did like the girl because I mean, even even am um, what, uh, Losing my mind here from the Do Run Run song, Ronnie. Ronnie Spector. Uh, Ronnie Spector. Uh, I mean, she she had a powerful voice too. I, you know, so those those vo- vocals are are my favorite. I I really like a, a big a big voice.
0: Right. So, and then what was the first time that you sang in public, aside from the choirs and schools? What was the first time you got out as a band or a solo performer, uh, like it was an open mic like or jam so, night or...
1: Yeah, jam nights were big. Um, I I used to go to all the jam nights and the talent contests. And um, but when I was started working, when I worked at the coronet, uh, I would get I got up on stage with Del Shannon and a couple of people that you know just. Just because they you know said hey because I'd be walking around uh, on serving while all my customers singing every song to this <laughs> so it got to the point where they you know I got invited up on stage a few times but I think that that's when um when I, when Ann told me that I just thought you know yeah that's what I'm gonna do so they had they had uh, they had wet t-shirt contests down at the corner at the time so I won and I got some money I got myself I got myself started. <laughs>
2: sworn you thought of me the most and I could have sworn I was more than your shadow but I'm fading I'm fading Time master, where has all my sand gone Was it you Didn't light my way. Can I stay? Can I stay? Because time is a fickle prince.
0: Just love that one. That was Cheryl Lescom with coldest lover. And where did you go from there?
1: Oh, everywhere. That's when. That's when. Um, you know, I got booked. I got uh, a manager, and Dram started handling me. And Dram handled everybody. Up, all like major peoples. all the kitchen bands. Dram handled. They were. They were very big in southwestern Ontario, and they. Uh, so I started going on the road, and you know, hyped several different bands by the time the 80s came around uh and then you know getting to work with long john baldry was uh a real thrill because i was madly in love with that it ain't easy album like that was uh one of my favorite albums of all time and when he uh came to the coronet and i wasn't working at the coronet at that time we were opening up for him my band was opening up for him and um he kathy had you know, kathy had gone to jail his backup singer and um Kathy McDonald. And I said, Can I get up on and sing Black Girl with you? And he said, Yeah. So I did. And he hired me. And then I got to go on the road with him for a year. And that was like a thrill. A thrill is a thrill. And it was a yeah. thrill and with Long John Baldry. I, I had worked with Ronnie Hawkins prior to that. And that wasn't so much of a thrill because I, I didn't
0: go, I didn't really make it to the road with him. I, um other things happened. <laughs> gotcha. Well, it must have been a hell of an education with Long John Baldry. I mean, oh, and, and the impact and in, in the influence that he had, you know, back in England and back in the early days before coming over here is, it just incredible. It's legendary.
1: Oh, and his telephone
0: book, like it was unbelievable. He had private numbers for everybody. It was yes. just, uh, and he
1: was just such a gentleman. He was really a, a scholar when it came to music too, but he was, he was so, you know, he was very, very gracious to me. And, and, um, you know, because he, he was a gentleman, he, you never had to worry about him being an asshole.
0: Right. That's a rare thing, I guess. probably. Unlike the other special... person yeah. talking. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. Well, and I, and I think he has a bit of a reputation. <laughs> what
1: well, do you think? Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, although, I mean, I guess, and probably more of a boys club, I guess, with, with him. But, I mean, uh, probably quite an education for the mus- musicians who did get to work for him. But, uh, yeah, I can imagine uh, for yourself that you're better off with somebody like Long John Baldry. So, uh, and, mm-hmm. And then after that year on the road, and then, you know, did that inspire, were you doing other work and other bands and backup or what finally inspired not, you say, I can do solo? The, no, not when I was working with him because it was a, a cross-candidate tour. So,
1: um, but then, then I got to, then I, you know, I just, I've had so many different bands. I can't even remember them all. But then, you know, I got finished with him. Um, he started doing, he moved out West and uh, started doing a lot of jingles and, kind of changed everything for himself and so when that happened I, I just started working again on and you know had my bands and uh started writing a little bit more and you know just uh just been on the road like it's just a kind of a road warrior for a lot of years and but you know around around 1985 84 i met my husband and um i wanted kids i wanted to get married i wanted all those things so um, I knew that uh, there was choices to be made, and the choice for me was uh, to to put, you know, having children and having a life
0: other than music first. Right. All right. So, '80s come along, you get married, you start a family. I mean, were you still singing and playing, or did that just all completely? Oh yeah, no, away? no,
1: always, always, yeah. always. But this, but you know, we always did like we did Halifax a lot, and uh, you know, stuff like that. But in 1990, I had my first son and uh, I had a a few miscarriages prior to that, and, um, and, you know, singing is not, especially because, you know, I was into my late 30s at that time, and, uh, um, you know, singing is pressure on the diaphragm, and it's pressure on that part of your body, and so I, I had to take a little bit of time off, but, um, you know, not more than, not more than a year, and I got pregnant, and had my child, and then, um, It was a kind of a crazy time for a while, but I still, I still played, but I I had my mother living with me and um, she got cancer and then I got pregnant again. And uh, and then we moved back out West, I mean, back out East. So for five years, it was a real chaotic time. So I didn't, uh, I didn't do a lot of music other than just, you know, local stuff or stuff that I could do easily.
0: Right. Right. Well, actually it's interesting that you brought that up with um, the singing and the effect it has there's that legendary story of the, the um, singer and her name's escaping me at the moment uh, that sang "On Gimme Shelter" with the Rolling Stones, and she was pregnant at the time and apparently miscarried after doing that session, and she blames it on that session. No, for uh, sure, for sure, but, it's it's you know yeah, oh,
1: it, it's down there, you know when yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's and especially you know as you get up, what what was her name, Mary?
0: What was her yeah, name? Mary. I was gonna say Mary Shelley, but I don't <laughs> think it's Mary. Um, and it was she was uh, awesome. Anyway, we I can quickly did, Google uh, that, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, because she just well, she was in a horrendous car accident and and lost her legs or something stupid like that, and and just is, has just made another album, um, just recently in the last like six months. I just saw her on CB on CBS Good Morning, and
0: it was quite a story, boy, quite a story. Yeah, I was just uh, reading the similar story. I think a few months ago, it. I mean, because her name comes up a lot, and there was somebody- Mary Clayton. Mary Clayton, that's what it was. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I mean, there was somebody had isolated the vocal track on that uh, recording years ago, and that started becoming sort of a viral thing. And just hearing her singing a cappella was incredible. Oh, yeah. uh, but even the breaks and I mean, the cracks and the voice and things like that, uh, which always kind of get buried in the mix. But I mean, I think that's what made it real and made it authentic. I mean, it wasn't necessarily that that crystalline voice that you're talking about like with Diana Ross or somebody like that. But there is just that realness and that rawness and that power that uh, is on a lot of
1: feel, a yeah. lot of feel, and you can't get that without without having a couple of cracks. But you know what? She never sang a bad note.
2: No. Like
1: you know, that's there's there's just uh, you can have some cracks and some crevices and all that stuff. But if you're flat and pitchy, that's one thing. And she was not flat or pitchy. Not even one iota on that whole track. Because I heard the same thing, and it was just awesome.
0: Yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. And I mean, it's it's great to hopefully there's people besides yourself that are going to kind of keep that tradition alive I mean I know there are some there's some good r and singers coming up and there's always people around and indie artists but it just seems like it it's sort of going a little bit by the wayside and I mean that's why I said it was a real real joy having you in the studio last year and and hearing, hearing the real deal so kind of going back to where everything started it doesn't sound like there was really any other alternative for you uh you know education well, education was not going to happen uh there was really no plan b it was just you were all in
1: i was all in and i and i was all in and but you could be back then i mean you could work six days a week and do a matinee on saturday you could i made more money in 1976 than i've ever made in my life i mean you know it's it's just um yeah you could i in the 80s i was doing a lot of jingles and stuff and I mean, you could make money back then. You can't, it's, it is tough, tough, tough these days. I mean, with, you know, with all the streaming shit and, you know, live performances going by the wayside and, uh, you know, CDs, people not wanting the physical anymore. And it's just, it's just, it's, I feel real bad for these kids that have to, that have to have music because, you know, I didn't pick music, music picked me. And, but I was, it was, uh, I was lucky enough to be, in an area where, you know, there was tons of work and it's just not like that anymore. It's just um I look at these young people and I just I'm just my heart goes out to them.
0: Yeah, it's it's really tough. I mean, and they've got to do everything and I mean, you see people that have thousands of followers and thousands of streams and they're not making a penny. <laughs> I mean No, I know. I you know, you look at people like Samantha Martin and she's, you know, she's
1: she's just she's freaking awesome and um, she's uh, just she's young and she's trying to do it all herself, and you know she's got she's puts together shows, she puts together videos, she you know puts together her own music, and i, I it's just I, it's just just no. makes me crazy, makes me crazy.
0: No, I don't recall. I don't think I've seen you on any of these virtual shows in the last year, year and a half. Have you made any effort to sort of get into the virtual world, or are you just waiting no. for live music to come back? Yeah, I didn't sign up for that shit.
1: <laughs> and um, I, I mean, I did, I did. I've got my new, my new CD and I did a video um, for, for, you know, wise old owl. I think you saw that somewhere along the way. Right. Yeah. But the, that's the, the, so I did a video and I put that out, but um, no, I, 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 I can't stand that. I can't stand. I think it's, I'm mean, God bless anybody that wants to, but I don't want to do it. Yeah, I've had, yeah. you know what, having it and losing it's worse than never having it at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I bet it is. Um, no, I was talking to James Anthony last week and he's going to be on one of the upcoming shows and he was saying suddenly he just got a bunch of calls, um, within a day or two of things opening up and potential shows and, and bookings. Do you have anything booked for the summer?
1: Yep. I mean, there's things, there's tentatives, there's tentatives. Um, but you know, people are just waiting to see if things can open up a little bit more. So, uh, you know, there's, I know, I know that next year is going to be one of the busiest years of my life. I I had that feeling. I think that, uh, you know between festivals coming back between um a lot of stuff that was postponed i mean a lot of festivals like last year i had it's not coming back like it was supposed to i've got uh the Southside shuffle the second week in, in september and that's on a saturday and then i've got the king carden blues festival on the friday so that's the that's like the to the 10th and 11th of september so hopefully things are going to open up by that time but um you know it's hard to it's really hard, but one thing about these places it's not like the musicians are working so it's if they do decide to open up things are going to open up quick you know things will bounce back pretty quick i think
0: right uh so tell me a bit about the new album now are you are you a songwriter yourself and i can't remember from i i'm yeah. always i'm always one of those nerds that kind of looks at i used to take the albums home and look at who produced it and, and the songwriting credits but as you said these days we don't have that tangible item now, but even on Spotify and things, I'm always trying to go to the to the artists and the credits and see who actually wrote the songs and hadn't had a chance to sort of peek through the new record. But uh, so you have been writing songs. When did that start?
1: Oh, I think I wrote my first song when I was about seven. You know, I, yeah, when I had a piano and I would just, I wrote the first song I wrote was called Blind Girl. So, <laughs> oh God, anyway. Uh, yeah, I I wrote like, you know, just kind of as for fun. And and then when I started playing music, um, you know, I did blues and then I did covers and started writing. Like I did some writing in the 70s and did some writing in the 80s, but I didn't really do my first album or CD until 95. And um, I'd done a lot of backgrounds, vocals and stuff on other people's music, but I hadn't really done anything myself. So 95, I put out my first CD and that was called all the way. And, uh, since then I've got, this is my sixth CD. So
0: fantastic. All right. So tell us what we can expect from the new ones for those who are maybe just discovering Cheryl Lescombe for the first time. And hopefully we are introducing, um, you to some new audiences as well.
1: Well, this is, this is an album that's, um, you know, it's, it's about getting older, the whole album, it's called well-played and, uh, the whole album is is just about getting older, you know, right from this, you know, nobody's victim from the first song to, you know, Wise old owl and stuff. There's it's just um a reflection back on some things. There's some, you know, kind of kind of got an attitude about things in some songs, which, you know, is what I do. So
0: <laughs> it's good to have an attitude at this. Release. It's a release. <laughs> And, and it's not a solo record. This is with the Choir Boys again.
1: The Tucson Choir Boys and yeah. Ray Ray Walsh is is my writing partner. He's one of the guitar players in Tucson Choir Boys. So we, we get together, and I've done three albums with them, and uh, I, I love those guys. They yeah. put the magic in the music.
0: So how did that relationship come about?
1: Um, the first album that I was first album that I did the first album I did was in Halifax when I lived out there in '95, and then when I came back here, um, I did High Heel Blues. And um, that Dan Graham had introduced me to uh, Ray Walsh because he was he was doing the bass tracks on my CD, and I had never really met him. I was just using session players; I wasn't using my band at that point. So um, I met him then, and uh, he was he was with a band. Uh, I forget what they were called, but anyway, uh, we just kind of got together, and the Tucson Choir Boys formed out of that. I think they made they might have even been around before. Uh, the Tucson Choir Boys might have been around before they started playing with me. So I'm not quite sure. But that was all around uh, right after I had cancer in 2003. So this would have been 2004.
0: And, and I and I remember hearing about the cancer. And that was, uh, you know, thank God that you survived that and, and battled through. So what kind of lasting impact did that have? Or did that have some effect on the music? I mean, obviously, you said the, the new albums about get songs about getting older. So, I mean, everything that you've experienced over the years is probably washed into these songs. But... Um, that particular time in your life, what, what impact did that have for you?
1: Well, my kids were young. I mean, I was, you know, just turned 50 and, um, you know, my kids, my kids were young, like one was 10 and one was seven. And uh, I, you know, my husband had left me and I was by myself and um, it was a, it was a tough time. My mother died. It, um, it was a really tough time. And, and it shaped me as far as, you know, just, uh, just (laughs) another thing that, doesn't make it doesn't kill you make you stronger and it did that and uh gave me a whole a new appreciation for what life is all about you know just you know I'm almost 20 years clean now and I just uh you don't know how much that means to me I mean every day is a gift for real like when you've had it when you've had a sentence like that and I was given them like a 50 50 chance to make it five years so um when you have a sentence like that you change you change. And, uh, and and I definitely did. I, I became a, a, a gentler
0: person, for sure.
1: Gentler on myself and gentler on everybody else, too.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's great. Well, and I mean, certainly with everything you described that year, um, there's enough fodder there to certainly together several blues albums and i mean legitimately <laughs> legitimately you you come by that uh honestly i guess honestly
1: I... I really have there's no faking it going on there
0: <laughs> yeah no kidding wow um so what what can we expect then i mean so the album the album's out there, there hopefully is some shows um you know is there just just keep doing what you're doing and just keep playing and singing and recording as long as you can
1: I'm hoping to. I mean, I'd I'd like to go out on a high note. I don't know what that high note's going to be. I don't want to be 80, you know, pounding the pavement. But on the same hand, like, I'm, you know, a couple years away from being 70, and I can't see myself quitting right at this point. Um, As long as I have a voice and as long as I'm singing with the power and the passion and the energy that I need to be, then I want to keep doing it. Um, The second that it becomes too much of a chore, the second that um, I, I you know I don't have the energy or I'm not putting on a show or I'm not relating to my audience the way I need to I'll quit um, I, I'm kind of I, I, I'm kind of at the point where I don't want to take uh, smaller gigs anymore because I really at uh, when this when things open up the kids are going to need those gigs those kids out there that are just starting that need to, you know hone their skills and get in front of a live audience and and play in a band and meet other musicians and bars 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 we need them to open up because that's the only place that they can they can work on their passion and so i i you know really hoping that that when things open up that you know musicians aren't undercutting each other that the if you're going to play for 75 bucks don't just go home and and uh you know let the, let the kids play for 75. Let somebody else that's working their way up the way you did, let them play for me. But if you are you know got a good job and you're just out there playing, it, that it's going to undercut the salaries of all these hardworking, full-time musicians that have not been able to play for the last 18 months. And uh, once that precedence gets set,
0: it's going to be really, really hard to get it back up again. Yeah, it really is. I mean, and you've seen that progressively over the again, years. Over
1: where, and over again. It you just know, be whether- nuts
0: whether it's just, hey, you can pass the hat around or play for tips or just play, play for the door to being, you know, <laughs> hey, here's a venue to play. And I mean, it used to be so many venues everywhere and everybody paid well and everybody supported live music. And um, it's just getting tougher and tougher. And I, I'm not, I haven't even really kept up with what's officially closed.
1: You can't, uh, you know, hopefully Sean and Russell will, will get another place because they're really, really good at what they do. It's just so freaking small. You can't put anybody in it. Right. So it's you know, I'm I'm really hoping that things open up a little bit all the way around, you know. St- maybe our stupid government will start supporting live music and supporting venues, like giving them tax breaks. If you have live music in your venue of whether it be a restaurant or a bar, you should have a tax write-off because you're supporting the arts. And that's the only way that we're going to be able to, these these poor bar owners are getting taxed up the yin-yang between their insurance costs and just being able to have, run something in Ontario is it's like you know, it's impossible. So, um, something's got to give, and you know, who's, you know, who's going to get screwed over just like they always do is the musician. So, you know, I'm trying not to be too down, but <laughs> you know, honest to God, if I were, I, I just, I get, I get hurt for these young kids. Yeah. I do.
0: I I, kids. I I think that's the thing. I mean, so, so many people were able to work from home and so many other types of businesses were able to flourish, uh, you know, deliveries places like Amazon and things like that, but the restaurants and the musicians, probably really got hurt more than anybody else
1: well, more than anybody uh, more than anybody um you know and my son's an actor uh, same thing I mean it's just you know his career was you know just starting and you know <laughs> it's so so uh, you know anybody that's that's in live theater to the same situation um, movies have been being, being made for the last few months so things are opening up there again but uh, you know the restaurant business they've been able to do takeout but it's the bar business has not been able to do anything. Uh, the, the, you know, the travel business hasn't been able to do anything, you know, uh, musicians haven't been able to do anything live musicians haven't been able to do anything so I things of, you know, hopefully, gonna open up a bit for, you know, I mean, you, and you look at like, even, even like, you know, security companies and, and, and catering companies and all the things that surround themselves with with live music and live venues or or live sports even uh, same thing. I mean, it's just um, things have got to open up a little bit. Uh, people are. Uh, I, I'm seeing too much of the of the negative mental aspects of of these lockdowns, and we're you know we're vaccinating like uh, like a good rate. of Too many of these anti vaxxers out there.
0: Oh, I know. That's, uh, that's just it, makes me
1: crazy. it just makes well- me crazy. Just makes
0: me. And they Reason. want it both ways. I mean, they they complain about their freedoms and and the lockdowns, and they want everything oh, yeah. back to normal, but they won't get vaccinated, so we can get things back to normal.
1: Right?
0: You know, it just yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. I know, I know. It's, uh, <laughs> well, I've had my first shot, and, and we're registering. We can pre-register today, I think, for our second shot now. So yeah, I, um, I pre-registered last the, week for. Kitchener's for, in a hot spot, so um, it
1: is this new which, Delta variant.
0: Yeah, I, I, mean, I
1: think that we need to we need to we need to open up and you know um if these people don't want to get vaccinated i i worry that you know things can that herd immunity is not going to happen and the variants are going to get stronger because there's not enough people are getting vaccinated but on the other hand uh we got to open things up
0: yes this is you know we could do a whole show on that (laughs) all right well um so I guess finally back to the music and and I mean, we could probably just talk for hours. I love hearing some of those old stories and I, I think I've kind of lost my train of thought as we got sort of derailed there, but uh, I can feel your passion and I'm hoping that we're going to see you playing live. So, all right. So Cheryl, it's been great chatting with you. I really appreciate it. It's been a, it's been a blast. This hour has just sailed by and we'd like to wrap up the show with the uh, 10 questions from the famous uh, French interviewer bernard Pivot, and these uh 10 questions are made famous by james lipton on the actor's studio and i always like to get back to this at the end of this show so so what is your favorite word yes what is your least favorite word COVID. what turns you on creatively spiritually or emotionally
1: my children and my music
0: nice and what turns you off trump (laughs) (laughs) i'm almost thinking for the last bunch of interviews i did and we've gotten sidetracked i mean we i really need to do a talk show that's just about today's issues and uh what uh well what is your favorite curse word and i've heard a few during the interview we may have to edit some of those you out. know what it is you know, <laughs> you know
1: what it is it's the one that i've used most often in this interview <laughs> uh,
0: what starts sounder, with, the
1: nine, ends with a k
0: yeah what sound or noise do you love
1: birds singing waves crashing
0: beautiful yeah we have the birds singing every morning here you know we lived in nanaimo bc for about a year and a half and we had a, a house right on the ocean and we would have the waves lull us to sleep at night and wake us up in the morning, like an alarm clock. And I don't know why I ever left and came back, but, uh,
1: beautiful, beautiful part of the world. Yeah, no, no, I hear you.
0: God's country. All right. Yeah. So, um, you've been doing music your whole life and didn't seem like there was a plan B or any other alternative, but what other profession than yours, would you like to attempt?
1: Well, nothing at this point in my life. Cause I'm, I'm, not going to do anything except music for this point in my life but if I when I was younger I was in cosmetics I really like cosmetics I think maybe I would have done something in real estate or um you know advertising or something like that that would have you know interested me sales I've always really liked you know being around people I'm a people person for sure
0: I'm happy that we're just going to hear more music what profession would you not like to do
1: being a garbage man
0: that's a popular one
1: uh (laughs) it's just the smell of it makes you die
0: (laughs) yeah no nothing but respect um right he- if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say when you arrive at the pearly gates
1: your mom's waiting for you mm. now you're gonna make me cry
0: yeah <laughs> we always have to hand out an emotion on that. way well, i bet she is and uh, and hopefully my mom is waiting for me as well but hopefully we won't get there for a long long time and hopefully we'll hear a lot more music from you cheryl Thank I you. look forward to seeing you play live. I will definitely be listening to this new record and playing it as much as we can and sharing it as much as we can. And um, I've got some more songs. Once we get back to the studio, I'd love to get you in to sing as well, so.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Stuart. It's been a pleasure.
2: Music is my only sweet soul man, sweet soul man, sweet, sweet, sweet soul man. If you ask me if I'm all alone, I will tell you that my man's at home. He's all I need, he sounds so sweet. Don't!
0: sure hope you enjoyed that interview with Cheryl Lescom as much as I did and the music as well hopefully at some point in the not too distant future I'll be able to release the full unedited version but as this is a morning show we had to go with the version that you hear so Cheryl had a lot to say and she still has a lot to say musically as well and it's great to have her on the show we look forward to many many more years of Cheryl and her music thank you for tuning in my name is Stuart McKee and this has been Musicians FAQ
2: Before you love anybody else Figure out just what it is that you're all about When you make your mark You're never leaving room for any doubt
0: Thank you for listening to Musician's FAQ Podcast with your host, Stuart McKee. We're here every week with great Canadian musical artists,